verses 3 through 15. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the Spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, even though I too have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on and make it my own, because Christ Jesus made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature be of the same mind, and if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Sarah. Well, good morning. It's been a lot of fun uh, preparing for these next few weeks. I have never uh, in 30 years uh, tried to use movies as a text and parallel the text with Scripture. So this is going to be a work in progress, and I don't know if many of you have thought as you've gone to the movies to get your popcorn and before you got down to sit down to look for theological themes, uh, especially in children's movies. Some of you thought, I don't know about that. And maybe you didn't take the time this week or set aside some time to watch The Incredibles. You've got four more weeks. And tomorrow, next week's movie is a really powerful movie. I've read about it. I haven't even seen it. So some of you uh, and I will be in the same boat. But I hope and pray that uh, over these next few weeks, this will be a chance to talk with your grandchildren or your children uh, about these movies and get their perspective. I, I thank Wes very much for doing a character study. That's very helpful to my process this morning, so thanks for your work. So I want to begin this way, and I may date myself significantly, but I grew up on Saturday morning watching cartoons, and I watched the superheroes. Do you recall from your days or even your children's days who their superheroes may be displayed in the movies or in on TV. I grew up with characters like Superman, uh, which was not animated. It was a, it was a human portrayal of that on a 30-minute series. Uh, Batman, which Adam West was kind of silly. It was kind of goofy, but, but Batman was one of those characters. And he had a sidekick named Robin, and they wore capes. And oh, by the way, uh, we, this is not just some piece of, this is part of our experience up here on, on stage. And that door 
what will be behind it each week will be different. Maybe there was Wonder Woman or some of the, some of the most recent characters, which is what Pixar has done. Pixar has its no, new host of heroes. Uh, and I think Marvel's done a good job of bringing back the comic book heroes of the day. I, I watched with my family this summer when we went to see the most recent uh, Marvel of the superheroes. Um, these stories, though, point to truths about life, about experience, and there are also some parallels with biblical truth. And so you're going to need to use your imagination. You're going to use and think creatively. And you're going to need to understand that much of what I'm going to be talking about in Scripture and in these movies has to do with metaphors, something that points beyond the actual reality. So here's a question for us to consider today. Who am I? Who am I? Watch and listen to this clip at the beginning of the story and let the description of the story help you move into the movie, into the sermon. Well, there you have three of the characters in the movie. Did you hear Frozone? The question in this film that comes over and over and over is, who am I? And the story begins with Mr. Incredible and Elastawoman and Frozone all interacting as Mr. Incredible is on his way to an appointment. We don't know what the appointment is, but as he's making his way, he stops to, to save someone. He looks at his watch. He says, I still have time. And he, he, he's in, back in his car, and he's making his way, and something else happens, and he still has time. But eventually, 
he arrives at his destination and we discover as this next scene. superheroes. What could happen? On the way to the wedding, Mr. Incredible meets a little boy. And I don't know about you growing up, but when I was a little boy, I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. I thought that Joe Namath and Roger Staubach were the greatest things in the world. And, And that's what I wanted to be when I was nine years old. We meet Buddy in this movie. And Buddy shows up on the scene, and he, he asks Mr. Incredible, let me go with you. Let me be one of your superheroes. He wants to be a sidekick. But Mr. Incredible says, I work alone. I don't need you. After the wedding, Mr. Incredible and Miss and Elastigirl go their way to start their life together. And Mr. Incredible continues his work as a superhero, and so does Elastigirl but not everybody's happy. In fact, one of the very people that Mr. Incredible saves from jumping off a building sues him. Isn't that interesting? This man's life has been saved, but he wants to sue Mr. Incredible. And the reason why he wants to sue Mr. Incredible is because his intention was to jump off that building. Superheroes save the day. And like he said in the film, you just wish they would stay saved. When Mr. Incredible is sued, the whole superhero community have their powers revoked. They're forbidden to use their powers. They have to be transported to a new community. And they have to live a life without superpower. As a family of five... You met the characters. There is a baby in the family as well. You met Helen, who is a last girl, stay-at-home mom. You met Violet, who is a teenage daughter, whose character, her hair covers most of her face in the movie. She is a teenager. Her skills are able to, out of making herself a dome of protection or invisible, which I think is quite metaphorical for a teenage girl in this story. And then there's Dash. And Dash is the most hyper little boy. He's faster than the speedy bullet. In one of the scenes in the movie, he runs. He's in class in school, in elementary school, and he runs and puts an attack in the teacher's chair and runs back to his fast runs back to his chair so fast that the teacher doesn't know except that when he sits down on the tack, 
he screams. He wants to go to take the boy to the principal's office. Even with video, they can't tell that Dash has made the trip to the chair to put the tag down and back to his seat. Life has become pretty stressful for Bob and his family. He spends his nights pining away, longing for the good old days. He comes home every night, and eventually, when he gets to his job, it is a boring job. He even wants to secretly use his powers to help people get along and help the insurance benefits that they need. His boss is only concerned with the bottom line profit. His boss says, you're supposed to help people, our people. All this turmoil creates dysfunction in the home. Family meals are chaotic. And one day, Bob loses his cool. He snaps, he breaks, and he gets fired. You see, change is a force. Forbidden to be who they are, living in a new environment, the question Now, who am I is difficult to answer. Not only does the conflict in his life get worse, the desire to be back in the old life gets even stronger. And all along, unbeknownst to Bob, he's being watched. Bob begins a more secret life, pretending on his bowling night with Frozone to be at the bowling alley. They sit in a car in a hidden alley listening to the police scanner. And temptation gets the best of them, and they think that they can go and prevent a crime from happening, and they're nearly discovered and arrested. But Mr. Incredible gets the chance he's been waiting for. He gets a secret message, an invited to be and a secret mission by this mirage character. You can take the metaphor all the way. Mr. Incredible accepts the invitation to go to this island for this secret mission, leaving his family in the dark. And when he goes and he gets on the island, he is confronted with the very person he rejected years earlier. Little Buddy has grown up. And Little Buddy now has a new name. Syndrome. S-Y-N-D-R-O-M-E. But you get the picture. Syndrome has become obsessed with power. Syndrome wants to take over the world. And he wants to make Mr. Incredible pay for rejecting him. And through a series of events, Mr. Incredible finds himself at death's door, completely helpless. The world's strongest man has been neutralized. All the while, his wife and children are at home wondering what has happened. Helen decides that she should jump into action, making some connections with an old friend She discovers where her husband is, and she gathers her two older children. They jump in a plane, and they go off to rescue Mr. Incredible, and they nearly meet their death. In fact, they're in a plane crash that Mr. Incredible believes them to be dead. 
But as Wes alluded to a few moments ago, Elastigirl, the mother, sacrifices her, extends her gifts, and uses her gifts for protection. She places the children in a cave in the island, knowing that there's danger looming. But she leaves them alone and she, to, to fend for themselves and reminds them of this. She says, you have power, use it. Be who you are and you will know when to use your talent. The movie concludes as these superheroes discover that being who they are outweighs any personal achievement and personal gain. Living their double lives has created resentment, it's created rebellion, and it's created rejection. The two characters, Mr. Incredible and Syndrome, are both obsessed with doing, to show their ability, to win approval and recognition. But the Christ figure in this character is Helen. She embodies the graceful acceptance of her role. Her ability to sacrifice because of the love of her family proved to be the very gift necessary. She didn't perform. Her love was bestowed upon her children as an identity for her family that bound them together as they faced adversity. Who am I was answered in being true to herself. I want to ask you a question. How often have you felt confronted with the question, who am I? All along your journey, whatever decade you are in your life, over and over and over, that question raises its head. What was the message you received from your family as you were growing up about your identity? From your teachers or your employers? I remember as a high school senior, spent the last three years in the high school choral program and played athletics. That's a real dance. It was for me in the 1970s. Weren't many jocks in the choir. And I thought I might like to pursue a career and come to college, the University of Southern Mississippi, and study voice. My music teacher said, you're not that good. You're not that good. What about your journey? What experiences do you internalize to shape your identity? There are many, 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 many successful people in this room. How has success shaped your identity? What happens when you're confronted with change and loss. How do you respond to new circumstances? When change comes to your personal or professional life or in our community or in our church, what happens? The Bible records stories of people who've engaged such circumstances. In chapters 8, 7, 8, and 9, of Acts, the story of Acts, we meet a character named Saul. He is a tough guy. 
He is one of these people who was a Bible-believing to the letter. It was in red because it was the law, and that's the way he practiced. He was, he was eloquent. He was brilliant. And he also despised the young upstart religion following some Galilean preacher named Jesus. And he made it his mission to arrest these people. He searched them out. They put him in jail and they prosecuted him. And on his way, on a mission himself in chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, he is confronted with a voice, the very voice of Jesus. He was blinded, thrown from his horse, and confronted with the question, why do you persecute me, Saul? From that day, his life took on a new identity. He spent the rest of his days living out that identity, even when it meant risking his life. He endured beatings. He endured jail time and even being shipwrecked. And in his travels, in his new mission, he established these same kind of faith communities, these people who believed that Jesus was in reality the Son of God. He traveled and established these faith communities all over the Roman world in Asia Minor. In the text that was read just a few minutes ago, he has a relationship with a faith community in Philippi, and he shares with them his story, and it answers the question for him, who am I? He recites his accomplishments of his former life under the law of his former religion. He confesses that none of that doing offered him the peace that has come to, he has come to know in Jesus. He counts all that doing as loss. He now has deepened his love for God and discovered that God has taken hold of him. And therefore, he can take in God's strength, stretch his life towards meaning and purpose. His who am I is not dependent upon his ability, but being, by being loved by God. This is his means to deal with changes or trials or criticisms that he faced. It's his goal to let Christ be revealed and his ability to love. It is hope, his hope in speaking and writing to this Philippian church that they too might stretch themselves in their ability to love one another and that that kind of fellowship draw other people into relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a process. It's the process from doing and earning to accepting and loving. It is definitely a journey. And conflicts are part of the journey. So are mistakes and tension. That church in Philippi had infighting and controversy. But Paul leaves them a testimony and a path to follow. Mr. Incredible, quote-unquote, Bob Parr retired on, relied on his ability and his strength. Elastigirl, Helen, reveals a grace in her family which sustained them through the conflicts that they faced. It was discovering the who am I rather than the what can I do that made the difference. 
I don't know about you, but I felt pressure at times in my life to be more, to win approval, and to gain acceptance. How often have you masked your true self to win or get recognition? Have you ever experienced someone else perform in such a way that you benefited and they were diminished? Have you ever married into a family whose worldview is totally different from yours? And that you have to bite your tongue when discussions are going on? Because you know that if you open your mouth, every once in a while, change causes us to ask the question, who am I? Death brings change and new roles for people. So does a diagnosis of a serious illness or the news of a baby. Even the significant events in the lives of our children as they grow up and become parents change. Families, like churches, have systems and values that experience conflict, and change brings an opportunity for growth. The incredible news is that God is able to sustain us when we allow who we are in his love and grace not be undermined by our attempts to do more than is necessary. A healthy marriage grows with nurture and conflict, truthfulness and courage, sacrifice and the ability to adapt to change. It is a journey. Amen? How will you answer the question today, who am I? How can we live out our faith in Christ and live in relationships to others who matter the most. You see, my friends, human beings and not human doings were created by God. Human beings were created in the image of God. And grace, God's grace, makes the difference. Let us pray. Oh, God, we thank you that being and living in your image matters more than doing or winning your approval. 
Help us to live more with that spirit in our lives so that what we do comes from who we are, from our gifts that you have bestowed upon us, that you have graced us with. Lead us, we pray, as a church to believe that our identity as Parkway Heights continues to grow and evolve as we become more aware of who we are as individuals and how we're loved, how we deal with change and challenge. I pray that your spirit would abide here among us and that we would encourage and listen and look for the ways in which you invite us into a world that needs hope. We thank you that you are the incredible presence of love and mercy and peace and hope. Grant us this day to hear and to embrace, to go forth renewed and redeemed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.